You're listening to Test, Learn, Grow, where we believe that all marketing should create value, build trust, and inspire change. This is the Level Agency way. Hey, my name is Miles Biggs. And I'm Alan Reynolds. Alan and I are proud to be your hosts for this podcast. In each episode of Test, Learn, Grow, we'll be joined by agency team members and other members of the marketing community for radically candid conversations on all things marketing. So without any further ado... Let's have one of those conversations and jump into today's episode. Alan, believe it or not, we've been doing the podcast for a little over one year now. How cool Woo! is that? We made it. So it's been a little over a year, almost 60 episodes in that time frame, which is wild to think about. And so many phenomenal conversations with people that work at Level, partners of ours, clients of ours. It's just been so much fun. And so... Today, you and I thought we'd switch it up, which I'm excited for, and we're going to do a little bit of a look back on some of the top moments of the Test and Grow podcast before we look ahead to the next year of the show. And speaking of partners, seems no better way to start than with our first episode featuring Patrick and Patrick. Right. So if you're just listening to the podcast, yes, those are two people named Patrick, two different people. (laughs) Uh, The two partners of Level Agency are both named Patrick. It makes for limitless jokes internally. And the first episode, of course, we had to you know meet the owners, meet the Patricks, and talk about the level agency way, which is what we call test, learn, grow. And so it was all about the ethos of our company, what we believe in, our, our thought process on marketing that really sets up the intention for this podcast. So it was our first podcast with two powerhouse guys like the Patricks on it, one of our most popular podcasts. And you can check out this clip from that episode a year ago now and hear directly from the Patrick's about what we mean when we say test, learn, grow. It's a flywheel, right? So, you know, right. It, it's this very interesting, like we're not, it's not like a linear data then decisions, right? Like right. it's this, it's this idea. It's a framework, right? It's a framework of coming to the best strategy. You know, I, I, the, the quote that I love is true strategy is discovered. And for us, it's discovered through generating data, turning that data into insight and then taking action on that insight, and then repeat, 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 right? As always, wise words of wisdom coming from PRP. What really resonated with me, Miles, was hearing about true strategy is discovered. You can't go out and just automatically assume you understand and you have the strategy in place. You really need to listen to the market and to your customer and do that through data and test that over and over again. Yeah, and I hear that from current clients and prospective clients alike in the conversations I get to have on a daily basis, that really resonates with people. You know, Increasingly, our world is a crazier and crazier place and less and less is certain. And so making it clear and like getting used to the fact that you know, we're not always going to be right, but that's not what's important. What's important is getting it right. right? It's not like you have the best idea or that you know 100%. You know, another favorite phrase that I hear the Patricks talk about is, you know, I might be wrong, but I'm not confused. And so leaning into that with confidence, making decisions quickly, learning a bunch, and then applying those learnings. I mean, that is test, learn, grow. And it's working for us as an agency. We just see it time and time again with our clients. 
And that's why people keep coming to us. And a huge part of being able to do that and get in the market quickly is, and not being confused, like I said, is documenting our tests and getting in the market quickly with those tests. And so the next episode we're going to have a clip from here is one that featured one of our account directors, Jess Eschman. She's also our testing subject matter expert, and she lays out the elements of a meaningful test. And in this podcast, she just gives you line by line, here's what you need to have. When we say test, it means these things. And if you can do these things and do them repeatedly and faster, the more you get in the market, the more you learn about your business and the more right you will discover. Well, it's definitely an adjustment as a marketer to put yourself out there and say, I think this might work. I really want to see if it does. But I think that's why it's so important to make sure that you have a really meaningful test. It's not just a red or green button, but it's something that you're curious about. The client will feel that it's meaningful and you could write a hypothesis about it, a strong hypothesis about it. If you can't do those three things, be curious, make it meaningful to the client and write a hypothesis, then it's probably not a worthwhile test. And when you can do all of those things, it's much easier to explain it to the client before you do it, while it's running and after. So the three things that are really important to me are the curiosity, making it meaningful and writing that hypothesis. Testing is so important because you could run a campaign for two months without a test and maybe it worked. And that's a long time in digital marketing to run something for two months and then not be sure if it's going to work or not. And you can not be sure, but when you're testing, you at least have two things that are running and one might resonate more and one might not. And then for the next test, you can keep growing on top of that. Rather than running a test for two months, waiting for the results for that, learning from the results, and then running another two-month test, you can run two pieces of creative or two bidding strategies. It doesn't even have to be creative. You could be in the platforms testing a different audience or a different bidding strategy. You can run those two things at the same time, measure it for two weeks, kick out the loser, and then put in a new challenger so that we can continue to build on that. What I really loved about this episode, Miles, was how succinct it was. Also, there are things that you might have overthought and underconsidered, right? Her first point is be curious. It sounds like a, you know, all shucks, like, of course, moment, but really digging into why are past campaigns, why have they been successful? So often it's easy to just accept success. So, oh, of course it was successful. Or, you know, we brought in new leads, new clients. That's wonderful. Keep going, keep growing. But if you don't stop to pause and analyze why things are or aren't working and to get curious about the state of affairs, you really can't begin to make meaningful tests, which was her second point, right? It has to be meaningful. What you're talking about has to be more than just changing the color of the call to action button, right? That the flashiness of creative brand marketing it needs to be something with deeper substance. It can be testing something on TikTok if that, you know, justify if it's justified and it goes along with your audience, but making sure it's meaningful to your client and to your approach. The whole curiosity point I love. I'm just a curious person, but it's one of those things where once you start, you can't stop because eventually you'll be curious if what worked last year is gonna work this year, right? Like once you commit to this cycle of testing and always having a challenger in market. Eventually, it means previous you was wrong, which I think is hard for people to come to grips with because it's an ego check that at some point what we used to do doesn't work anymore. 
And we have to admit that. But what's great about this, when you can implement what Jess talks about, is that you find it yourself, which is much better than somebody else finding it for you or the market finding it for you. And one day you wake up and your marketing's not working. By committing to this, you can just stay ahead of that change and always make sure that curiosity is fed and it grows. And you just learn more and more about your business, about your customers. And due to that, you see growth. And then with that in mind, it really leads into her third point, which is document it by writing a hypothesis. So you will be wrong. You will prove your past self wrong at some point because things change so rapidly in this environment. And so the more diligent you can be about writing a hypothesis, about documenting your approach and your results, the easier it'll be for your future self when you're going and analyzing success, failure, what, when to pivot, persevere. If you don't have the data, then you're once again shooting in the dark, right? Yeah, it, it keeps you honest, right? The documentation doesn't lie, but it's going to be easy for you to like fudge your memory of something because you don't want to be wrong. You see it all the time. It's human nature. So by calling your shot and writing it down, there's some accountability for you, for the client, whoever you are in this scenario that's important to have. Just be really honest about what you thought was going to happen, what actually happened, and then you know how can you apply that? And to your point about getting curious, it, it is. It's like an infection. Once you get curious about things, you start to wonder and dig in further. And it can be really easy. And we see this. It can be really easy to want to change it all, right? Oh, this isn't working or we're not seeing exactly what we wanted. Or man, look at this cool new trend. We want to get involved in it. It's really easy to want to do all the things. <laughs> but you really need to limit yourself to one variable. And so decide, hone in on what the most fundamental or critical variable at play is that you think you might be wrong, but identify that one variable that you're going to alter. And then you can always adjust in the future based on results, but be clear, be concise and keep it to one variable. So moving from what Jess had to share about the elements of a meaningful test, moving on to one of our next most popular was with two of our B2B team leads. TJ Bruno and Lauren Greenewald, and they were talking all about how we define success. So, Alan, what, what did we learn in this one as we look back? What I appreciated about them and their podcast was this idea of no test is too small in the B2B realm, that everything has to have a variable, and that analyzing those efforts over time really helps you hone in on what, again, what that audience wants and is looking for. Yeah, so let's hear what TJ and Laura had to say right from them and check out this clip. Whenever I have to explain to my aunt what I do or something like that, I always explain, you know, there's there's consumer advertising and that's what you're going to see. And they're asking you to buy things on Amazon or something like that. Um, But with B2B, what I really focus on is the long lead to sales cycle. So what we're trying to do is build up a communication, a messaging strategy that will take a user from trying to solve their problem, inquiring to learn a little bit more, and then ultimately handing that individual off to usually a sales team. But just to piggyback off of Lori, you know, in addition to the long sales cycle in B2B, something that I try and instill in my team is we're still talking to people, right? We're still talking to folks like you and me. A lot of times for newer folks coming in, it sounds very daunting, like business to business advertising, like, where where do we even start, right? But there are people, there are executives, there are other marketers on the other side that we're trying to get a, get their attention. So it's super important for us 
and something that I have our team focus on is like, okay, whose attention are we trying to get, right? If we're trying to go after some enterprise-level accounts for uh, one of our clients, we're trying to target like an Exxon, Ford, Apple, right? Who are the key decision makers? Who do we need to get information in front of, right? Um, is there a buying committee? Um, a lot of times in B2B, there will be folks, you know, maybe four to ten people within the company that are in charge of making a large purchasing decision. So some of our B2B clients sell software that is very expensive, tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars. And to Laura's point, it's not like buying a new pair of running shoes. You're not just going to go online and be like, oh, I'm going to buy this new $100,000 software for my company. Click, done. Wish it was right. that easy. It would make our job uh, much easier. But identifying who those folks are, right, and, and getting relevant content and information in front of them um, on a consistent basis. One of the biggest differences with B2B, uh, to Laura's point, is that long sales cycle, those multiple touch points. So what I think of when I listen to that clip and in that full episode is you know there are the b2b team leads and those, that vertical is hard to define because b2b is so many verticals rolled up in this b2b umbrella you can have different types of manufacturing professional services they get labeled as b2b it makes it feel like this amorphous thing that's hard to nail down because it's so many things into that but whether it's b2b whether it's e-com or edu any other verticals that we service what tj and laura get a little hard at here is that we're marketing the people and so like beyond the labels, B2B, B2C, it's, it's all a, a bit of B2H in that you have to really understand who are you talking to, what is their pain point, and how are you trying to solve it? Whether you're solving that for a professional or you're solving that for somebody at home trying to fix something on their car, like whatever it is, all the different uses that we get involved in marketing. You have to have some empathy, your favorite buzzword, Alan, to un- understand who you're talking to or you're not going to be successful, especially in today's world. The consumer is so savvy. They have so much information at their fingertips. You've got to talk to them at their level. And if you advertise at them, you're not going to be successful. And that's so much what they talked about and how they define success in their space and for their clients. So once we hone in on, you know, really identifying our audience and what's important to them and how we're going to judge success of a, of a campaign and of a test, leads us pretty cleanly to our next podcast episode. You had quite a different co-host on this one. Someone a little bit older, a little more, we'll say distinguished, but none other than PRP himself, Patrick Patterson. You both interviewed Mia Yumanos. Can you give us a little teaser of what we're about to listen to? Yeah. So Mia co-founded a company called ClickPoint, and it's all about how do we automate insights around marketing efforts. And so, you know, TJ and Laura are reminding us that we're talking to humans at the end of the day for our clients. Mia comes in and reminds us that all the humans that work in our companies don't love doing repetitive tasks, right? And their time is better spent elsewhere. And so talking about how once you understand your customer and you're, you're, you've got all your processes run, you're doing all the marketing, there's ways to let robots come in and do some of the, the monotonous works that the humans can focus on those human connections. And so she has some just great insights into where things like artificial intelligence, machine learning are headed, the impact on the industry, and how we can leverage them not to like replace people's jobs, but to let people do the things they're better at in their jobs by giving them more time to think deeply and free them up from the administrative workload. It's less about being data-driven and more about being insight-driven. The holy grail 
is not the data, it's not the dashboard, it's the insight. Well, actually, no, the holy grail is the action you take from the insight, right? Exactly, exactly. That's why we love working with agencies. Because we get it. <laughs> you get it, and like, you know, an insight without the actions, like a tree falling in the woods. Anyway, she was my boss and I told her, you know, look, I, I feel really bad because I am like the slowest person implement finding implementations for uh, Adobe. She's like, Mia, your job is to innovate. Your ideas are innovative. They're new. They're solving problems that people don't think about. And so I don't need your brain on a tool. So what do you think about when you hear that, Alan? I think it takes some of the fear, right? So often people are afraid of data. People who don't work with that are, are afraid of it. Or, you know, they're coming for our jobs. We hear automation or AI and it's like, oh, am I going to have a job? Right. That's a, that's an easy fear pulse. But what was refreshing about Mia was it's opening up space to, to give people the freedom to do the deep work that makes us intrinsically human that robots can't do. And instead the robots handle all the monotonous garbage that we'd other like otherwise like to leave alone. The other thing I found interesting, Miles, I'd love to get your perspective on this pivoting toward insights and action-driven approach where data is being automated, but that doesn't replace the insights and then the action component. How do you see that working with our Tesla and Grow framework here at level? Yeah, I mean, there's just so much data, right? And so that's where our tools like Mia's and other artificial intelligence, machine learning algorithms are great because the amount of data is increasing. So what that, that will let you to do is get to the heart of uh, some sort of a variation or something that's statistically significant faster so you can focus your attention there versus combing through what can kind of be noise in the data because there's so much of it. And then get to that next step faster. You're not so bogged down with data that you're not moving forward and having that speed to market. By the time you analyze that data, there's so much of it, it could be old and outdated. So the tools like this help you speed up and stay relevant and get those learnings from the efforts versus just being stuck in that monotony of looking at the numbers to try to find trends. They'll find the trends and the humans get to decide what to do with it. And that's where intelligence comes in, which leads us to the fifth and final one we're gonna talk about. We talked with Prasanna Dugal from Grow by Data we call that episode Unpacking Marketing Intelligence. And the theme with this podcast, everyone, if, you, if you're, you're stuck with us this long, you got it, right? It's the basics of marketing and test and grow, having the hypothesis, getting tests in the market, understanding the people you're talking to, the people you work with, and then how can you amplify all of that with technology, with tools, with machine learning, with artificial intelligence, all the things. And that is why this episode with Prasanna, I think, resonated with everybody so much is because it's where marketing is going. So let's hear what he had to say when he joined us on the show. I think it's really trying to put the end user's hat, really have an environment where they're comfortable asking simple questions, right? And you might not have thought of, you know, trying to have like a very diverse team that doesn't hesitate to question and really say you did a bad job. So I think it's really... It's going back to being simple. It's trying to have the customers, you know, folks that are like your customers in your team, in your product teams. It's really trying to understand are customers using your product in the first place and really dissecting and continuing to simplify. And, and I think this is really an art, right? You know, where, which and many folks in data, there's like hundreds of companies out there, right? I believe the ones that are really going to do well are the ones that really take the complexity, 
simplify and make it easy for the end customers. I mean, I, I give a bad example, right? Like I ask Alexa, you know, for simple things like what's the weather, you know, or, you know, I ask Alexa to remind me to do a task. So we are, tr- it's, it's a, it's an example of something simple. And I think we need to make the, take the complexity out of the data, put it in the black box and really allow the end customers to draw answer simple questions. That's, I think, what will really allow us to really benefit from this huge investment that's happened. Miles, he, Prasanna used my, some of my favorite words we talked about in this episode. Empathy kept coming up. Was that surprising to you as we talked about data intelligence and insights? Not me, because I think I'm so close to it. I think it might, might surprise people that aren't as close to it and don't work with it every day, but you know, data is numbers or, you know, any, any just amount of information. And to make sense of that information, to apply our own human intelligence to it, to make decisions, you have to have some empathy. You have to understand the people on the other end of your decision and how the data is a tool. If not, it's not as useful. It's just numbers. It's raw numbers without that filter. You've got to kind of look through, look at it through that lens of empathy to understand and make the intelligent choice about where to go next and what to do because of it. Like all good things, I feel like there must be a Beatles song about this. Takes us back to right where we started with the Patricks and Tesla and Grow. How does empathy connect back with this whole framework we've discussed? I think it comes back to what we say in the intro of every single podcast episode is that how a level we believe that all marketing should create value, build trust, and inspire change. And empathy is at the heart of it and data is at the heart of it. You really, like I said before, it's hard to have one without the other and do effective marketing. And it really is just one big flywheel, building momentum, and it never ends. There's always more marketing to do. There's always more testing to do. Always more things we can learn about our audience. And as we look at the most popular podcast episodes and weave them in the narrative like we did today, Alan, it just proves that out again. So if this is the first episode of Tesla and Grow you listen to us on, you know, go back and check it all out. This is the recurring theme. And as we look forward to what's coming up next on the podcast, we're going to bring you, we're going to bring you more of this, you know, more pointed how to's and things rooted in our data and also those interviews with people to hear their stories and draw your own connections and your own, bring your own experiences to as you put down the podcast and get back to work and go back to marketing. All right. Well, with that being said, we better log off this and get back to our jobs, Miles. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Knowing that true strategy is discovered, let's go get out there and run some tests. Let's go discover it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Test, Learn, Grow from your friends at Level Agency. For more information about what we do here at Level, be sure to visit us online at www.level.agency. And do not forget to rate and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. Until next time, remember that the best way to do any sort of marketing is to test, learn, and grow.